When I was about 10 years old, I remember being out for lunch with my mum. We used to live in Scotland and there was this unusual cafe that we visited occasionally that had lots of strange tartans and beautiful tapestries on the wall uh, and an incredible cafe, which was very impressive seen as the culinary heights hadn't quite hit the highlands in 2003, but we loved going there. Now, I had a doll at the time called Polly, who had an orange and pink mini dress and a high ponytail with lipstick, and stitched into the back of her dress was the number 17. I bought her everywhere, and that day I brought her to lunch with me. I told my mum all I wanted to do was to turn 17, just like Polly. I wanted to grow up and become this version of myself that was so far away from this chubby-cheeked kid eating sandwiches, although they were incredible sandwiches and I don't regret a thing. She turned to me and she said, don't wish your life away. Things get complicated when you're older and you're perfect as you are. But Polly seemed to have it great and I guess in a strange way she was my first experience of wondering what it was like to look up to someone or something else. Hi guys, it's Rosie and you're listening to the So This Is 27 podcast. Recently, I've been wondering about the importance of role models in my life and whether they matter. Back in the early 2000s, social media barely existed and the only people influencing what I hoped to be when I was older were girl bands, maybe kids TV presenters, and like I mentioned, a plush toy who I cherished called Polly. But the same can't be said for young women growing up now. Life is a complete barrage of people telling you how you should act, what you should wear, what you should eat, and how you should build your personal brand. It's complicated, and like I can't even begin to imagine how a teenager must feel if I myself, on the approach to 30, feels overwhelmed. <laughs> I've been starting to wonder who I look up to in life, and whether their influence has shaped me at all. Growing up, I listened to a lot of Fleetwood Mac, and at university, I crimped my hair into waves, and I wore a lot of moon pendants and flowing dresses, and anyone who remembers that period of my life will say that I liked standing out from the crowd. Standing out and being different is something that has always mattered to me, and there was one woman who I looked up to who managed to carve her own personality out so well. I thought a good place to start on this episode would be to talk to my friend Stephanie, who was named after that woman I was just describing, Stevie Nicks. I remember at the time when I must have been about, I don't know, 16, 17, whenever I would see them, it was mainly on something like, I don't know, an Oscars red carpet where they're wearing gowns and jewels and things like that. And, and they were these sort of faraway mythical creatures. They were sort of the unattainable, something, something otherworldly. That's Stephanie. Stephanie and I met at a radio station in East London when I was 21. I'd just moved to the city and I didn't know anyone. I saw an online advert for a radio station that needed a volunteer news reporter, so I went along. And quite quickly we realised that we were both huge Stevie Nicks fans. And I even went on Stephanie's show to talk about it. 
Now things are full circle and she's on my podcast, which I'm super excited about. You'll have to excuse the audio though, because my microphone decided to implode on itself during our recording, which is why at some points it sounds like I'm recording it in a Pringles tube. You know, you had posters and stuff of them and like you idolise them. And I think now if you have a role model you can go out and buy the same brand of milk that they have you can go out and buy the same shoes that they have but how did you like embody your role model when you didn't know all that information about them yeah it's interesting um when i was younger i used to read a lot of sort of biographies of film stars particularly vivian lee who i just loved because she was this sort of I don't know, actress who wasn't really doing a lot of interesting work and then was catapulted into the most famous role of all time in Gone with the Winds. So it was this incredible story of sheer will. And so what I found interesting in her books was stories about her, about her tenacity, about not giving up. Um, When she set her sight on something, she was going to get it. And... It was something about that willpower that I really appreciated because I remember when I was younger, I wanted to be an actress and I would go to sort of drama school and acting school. And I always remember my teacher saying this is like the hardest industry in the world to get into. I just thought, well, Vivian Lee would, you know, work hard and she was going to get it. So to me, that will and that drive to do something different was what I think attracted me to her as a role model. I was attracted to people who had maybe not so much a difficult story, but they had drive and will to do something different. I feel like then do you think that having a role model, I guess, years back, made you kind of influenced by them? but still your own identity. Whereas do you think now we're seeing like carbon copies of people rather than taking that role model and actually, you know, taking a bit of it rather than all of it? Quite rightly. People are starting to do their hair. They want to have fillers. They want to have Botox. They want to do their lips. So their lips resemble their, their, their the person that they admire. They want to get their hips altered or their boobs enhanced and obviously anyone can do whatever they want what makes them happy but I think it's a shame that people aren't maybe taking a the essence of of what that person's about and utilizing it in their own life rather than as you say try to create almost a an aesthetic carbon copy of the person they look up to rather than appreciate how brilliant they are and that they don't need to change anything about themselves just utilize something from that role model that just propels you more in your own life your name I'm gonna say namesake Stevie Nicks tell like tell tell people about that tell me about that (laughs) (laughs) is that is is that your mother's role model do you think I think so that's how we bonded wasn't it all those years ago it was (laughs) our shared love of Stevie Nicks yeah when I mentioned that I was named after her. My mum had, I think it was at the time when she was pregnant, the Rumours album, and she saw Stevie Nicks in brackets, Stephanie, and went, oh my gosh, that name. I think my mum was definitely influenced. I mean, again, Stevie Nicks is this amazing, intelligent, gutsy, brilliant woman. So I feel quite proud to be named after her. 
Do you feel like you have a bit of Stevie Nicks in you because you're named after her or is it totally your mother's choice and you've just left it alone? (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's probably my mom's choice. I I adore Stevie Nicks. I I wish I had anything in common with her but I I can't sing a note so being named after Stevie Nicks has not given me that lovely gift of song (laughs) sadly. (laughs) But what about you? Can I ask Rosie? What sort of role models do you... um, do you look up to strangely my role models were like items that I had around me when I was very little I wanted to be like the dolls that I owned or I wanted to be like um (laughs) there was (laughs) I remember once there was like this puppet at nursery which is very ironic because I'm obviously a, a gay woman um but there was a a puppet called Joe at nursery um and I was absolutely obsessed with this puppet. I wanted to kind of date the puppet. I wanted Aww. to be the puppet. I wanted to like embody the puppet. And maybe it was the fact that other people like liked them yeah. and other people played with them or other people, you know, gathered around them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I just wanted attention. That's maybe so that's what it was. Cute, I have to say that is adorable. <laughs> I haven't met anyone yet who had role models like that. So I think that's really cool. <laughs> I I liked people I think I like they were never they were never like famous people um you know I remember like when my aunt used to come around um when I was a kid and she always used to wear these really amazing like leopard print coats and like furs and just like really interesting different items of clothing and I just thought like I want to be like that when I'm older like I want to be different I want to be like quirky and I'd I I guess maybe it's something to do with that. I didn't really look up, I guess, to people who I felt um, kind of were going with like the norm. Yeah. I kind of looked up to people who were like not afraid to stand out and not afraid to do something different. I don't know how that relates to the parrot, but maybe because it was so colourful, it stood out for itself like in its own way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's sort of doing their own thing and being unique and... I think that is true, particularly as we're, you know, we were mentioned, I think we talked about before the podcast, being in creative careers. It's interesting how the people we admire are, are sort of creative or different in some way, or maybe had more, what's the word, uh, passion for where they're going, knowing what they want, and maybe that helped drive me, maybe when I wasn't sure, I had to look to those sort of figures whether it was a movie star or a a friend who really knew what they wanted so it sort of maybe filled in the gaps for me I I know that I struggle with confidence so I need to look up to someone who who has that I can utilize that almost utilize Mm. that energy sort of to propel me forward I think you can see role models in those ways though can't you you can see it as somebody who has something that you want to aspire towards or you want to build and if they're really confident then you know you can take what they're doing and you can apply it and you can feel good and and I think maybe the other type and maybe what I'm trying to describe is that you you feel a bit different or you feel different than what other people like or present themselves as and I think I've I've always been drawn to people who are a bit you know wacky or quirky and things because 
it's nice to see somebody else like that when you feel oh, a, totally. a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> I've always felt like that. I've always felt like slightly, not an outsider, but just a little different or just a, a little bit different in my outlook. And as well, I've always done quite a few different things in the media and I've sort of pivoted on certain careers and things. And, and I, you know, people would say, oh, why are you changing that? Why aren't you on your career trajectory? <laughs> you know, doing a certain thing that people are expected of us. But I was going to mention, Rosie, one of my new role models is... um. A lady who, um, Lorraine Pascal, she was uh, really well known in the food media, very well known baker. I believe she used to be a model as well before that. But she's interesting. I always follow her on Instagram because she's recently, she's in her 40s now, she's pivoted her career into psychology, which is amazing. And, you know, from going as a, a really well known foodie and very successful baker into a new career. I feel so inspired by her. I watch her videos as she's, you know, doing her homework assignments. And, and I think to myself, you know, it's not too late. There's this almost, I think now I'm turning 40 in December. It's one of those things where, you, you know, you're, you're almost taught when you're younger. Oh, that's sort of the cutoff period. You need to have, have done everything you need to do in that set time. And every period is the cutoff period can i say is, every it? single person like whether you're like 25 or 65 everyone's like this is it this is the year this is the year that like i everything ends i must pivot now i've got to do everything now I have right to do it right life. now <laughs> that's so true isn't it what why why do you think that happens rosie why are we terrified of Everything's got to be done before I'm 30, 35, 40. Uh, otherwise, life is over. And Because it, it, it's not, because it keeps moving and you keep growing and keep doing new stuff. And I don't know. Everybody thinks they're old, though. Like, Charlie's turning 30, like, in a few weeks' time. And she's just like, you know, this is it. This is it. Like, this is the last of, like, you know, the youth. Like, as if it's just suddenly, like, drains out it of just you goes. on, like, the day that you turn another decade. But yeah, I mean, and then, but then I've got my mother on the other hand, who's like approaching her mid sixties and she's, she's just like, well, it is what it is. You know, she's like, you know, 30 is nothing. And like 40 is nothing. And 50 is nothing. And then I That's have. That's really good to know that making me feel better already. <laughs> yeah. But like, and then I've got my granddad who's 90, who, you know, this week he just purchased himself one of those like, um like flamethrower things for his garden and he's just like you know getting on with that and and doing that and I'm just like well if he's 90 and he's still like trying new things then we should all just be okay with it <laughs> exactly that's the thing I, I I don't know it's like conditioning I, I felt that right I had to be married I've got to have a kid I've got to have a safe career whatever a safe career is I don't think that exists anymore um I remember a family member saying yeah make sure you have a safe career and I thought what's that <laughs> so again constantly terrified but I remember at my 25th birthday uh, a family member saying oh we're over the hill now I thought am I <laughs> I've got I've got so much I've got to do and it's so it's that thing how I think because we're all terrified we don't have enough time that and worried about are we doing the right thing so I'm constantly now seeking out those role models that are, are saying you know what there is no time limit I can start a new career at 40 45 50 and and honestly it 
it brings me so much sort of, I don't know, peace to know that that's happening. Um, Because I'm someone, I'm a panicker by nature. So... (laughs) completely panicker. So it, I, I find those role models just wonderful. And I'm so glad I have that access to them, I have to say. If they're honest about their own situations, having a bad day, it just makes me feel a lot better. I, I want to see someone else who's having a bad day, though. That's that's like my little <laughs> kink. I'm just like, who is famous who's having a really shit time? Like exactly. me. Who's having a bad time? <laughs> I want to gravitate towards that. <laughs> It's so horrible, isn't it? But it's 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 one of those feelings where we want to feel that, okay, if we're having an awful time, but at least if, I don't know, some huge star, oh, they're also having the worst day ever. You know, yeah. it feels comforting. <laughs> it's human, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, like, oh, Jennifer Aniston's, like, also got, like, a block toilet and, like, family issues <laughs> and unresolved trauma. Like, this is great. <laughs> Exactly, I know. It just makes everyone feel like we're all in it together. We're all just muddling through and, you know, no one really knows what they're doing. We're just trying our best, really, aren't we? (laughs) Back in 2018, I was having a pretty shit time. My career felt like it wasn't going anywhere and I had an awkward, to say the least, situation in an office with one of my co-workers. You know the type. It was the year of the World Cup, it was 35 degrees and I was eating pizza every night, complaining on the phone to my mum that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. It was a tricky time for my mind to start beginning to understand who I was, both as a gay woman and a comedian, but also a human being. At this point in time, apart from having a framed print in my bathroom of Stevie Nicks, she'd officially checked out as being someone I related to, and I guess I felt pretty lost. Until one evening, I randomly came home from work and I turned on the TV to a film featuring this blonde, wacky woman, full of confidence and an unusual sense of humour, and I felt like I'd found home. She, I mean, she's like, she's basically like the the lesbian comedy um, Jesus, isn't she, really? I mean, like, she is the genius, genius, the genius Jesus of lesbian comedy, of comedy full stop, really. That's Faye. We've been friends since we met at a queer improv group in London Bridge. I knew we'd get along as soon as we started performing together. She's grounded, kind and uplifting and the perfect person to talk to about Kate McKinnon. When did you first come across Kate McKinnon and what was your reaction? Keep it clean. (laughs) (laughs) So many jokes popped into my head then. I was like, oh, I can't say any of them. (laughs) I'd never ever heard of her until I saw the trailer for the Ghostbusters film um with her and Melissa McCarthy etc and um like because I've been a massive Ghostbusters fan my entire life because I I was taken to see the first Ghostbusters film when it came out in 1984 and I was four I just was obsessed with it and just loved it so much and it's it's like my Star Wars so when the female Ghostbusters came out I was so excited I remember it was like the March of that year 2016 and it the trailer was released and I hadn't been doing comedy or anything like that for ages and I remember just watching this trailer and it's basically what got me back into doing comedy I just became absolutely obsessed with it and and obviously she does the gun lecking in the trailer and I was like oh is this woman and googled her and just came across the delight that was Kate McKinnon and also discovered that she 
uh, isn't out lesbian and I just then proceeded to go down a Kate McKinnon YouTube wormhole um, which I don't think I've ever fully got out of it's a very delightful place place to be it's so interesting that you say that as well because I remember coming across Kate McKinnon for the first time like around the time that we met because we obviously met you know doing queer improv and and like just before that I was going through you know a bit of like I guess like an identity crisis in terms of like where I fitted with with comedy and like as as myself and I came across her as well slightly different I watched her in um the movie The Spy Who Dumped Me with Mila Kunis yeah 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 and I I really hadn't heard of her before and then I saw her and like the same the same with you I just thought oh my gosh I almost like I think I saw myself like a little bit in her yeah like in her sexuality and like in her like comedy style and she's just a bit of a, like a quirky weirdo and I think she describes herself like that and I thought you know oh my gosh there's somebody out there that I can like relate to and you know she's funny and yeah totally and i i think particularly for me seeing her in in ghostbusters and obviously it's never actually said that the character is queer but obviously holtzman totally is it's it was actually really emotional for me because when i was a kid and i was growing up um you didn't really get like female role models like that i mean you had wonder woman and you had um superwoman but like they you know they'd they'd be half naked whilst they were out kicking bad guys and I was always a bit like I'd rather be wearing trousers um (laughs) so I Ghostbusters is such an emotional film for me it's got such a strong emotional connection to my childhood and throughout my childhood with my cousins and like with my, my best friend Tara who bought me the the little mini proton proton pack that I was demonstrating there we go um you know we would we would like role play and I'd always be Venkman because and everyone never no one ever understood why I chose to be Venkman because they were always like oh he's the stupid one and like oh I don't why don't you want to be Egon because he's the clever one and I was like no he's the funny one I want to be the funny one um and I don't know I think I always obviously had to role play as male characters which was cool because like I think I probably identify as non-binary anyway but when the female Ghostbusters film came along it just was like it was so it was such a seminal moment especially seeing Holtzman as this queer character I just really wish that like little four-year-old Faye could have seen that and could have seen herself like that up on up on the screen in that way and when I remember when I watched the film the first time the, the female one that sequence like after she licks the gun and she goes let's go and then they play the music and they do the whole slow motion bit and she's just like uh like shooting things with her proton gun and it's so cool I actually cried I actually properly wept because it just like but don't know it was like seeing yourself and it all being okay yeah yeah I totally get it because I had that emotional reaction as well after I watched her in a film for the first time and I think it's really hard to describe to people when 
you don't have a lot of people out there who are who look like you or you know act like you or have the same sexuality as you but I had that reaction too and I think that it was just like this deep emotional need to kind of find like somebody especially in the comedy world that I could look to and think it's okay to be like the different one yeah it's okay to not be mainstream it's okay to you know to you know I I see these like women on stage these stand-ups and for me like they you know they have a family or they have a husband and they have you know a bunch of kids or they're coming at their comedy like work that way um you know or they're just they're just a totally different style but then I saw Kate and I was like she's just going for it you know she's just doing things the way that she wants to do it and I think that's really like beautiful do you think that it's impacted you like in your personal life to have a role model like Kate McKinnon because I know like when I for example like when I first watched her in this show like I literally went to the hairdressers the week after and dyed my hair bleach blonde because (laughs) I I, like wanted to (laughs) I wanted to look like her and it's like this crazy effect that it has and I just like want to try and explore why that still happens because you know I was how old was I like I was like 25 like I wasn't I wasn't 15 <laughs> I was like a 25 year old woman that was like I'm I'm gonna dye my hair well I was like, I was 36 that so that's even worse <laughs> <laughs> um I mean I am sitting here in a Kate McKinnon t-shirt <laughs> and um full my full Ghostbusters boiler suit. So did it have an impact on me? It did have a little impact on me, yeah. Yeah, I do know exactly what you mean, actually. Um, I think it it definitely had an impact on me comedically because when I watched that trailer, because I was at a point where I was a bit lost. I was lost in terms of what was I doing and I was a bit lost health-wise and I was lost career-wise. And um, it made me go... I, I want to do that. I want to do stand up. I want to do improv. I want to do sketch. I want to do characters. I want to write a solo show. I wanted to do all the things that she was doing, and it was literally from that that moment of seeing that that seeing her in that trailer. Um, but yeah, also I think it did probably affect my dress a little bit in some ways. Like, like I, she knows how to rock a um, she knows how to rock a suit like a black suit jacket, mm-hmm. doesn't she? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was kind of doing that anyway. But like, I feel I feel like certain clothing choices and things like that, particularly when I was doing stand up, I was a bit like, what would what would K Mac wear? <laughs> yeah. A little bit and stuff like that. And yeah, I just I definitely yeah I've definitely tried to sort of emulate her in some ways I think do you think that's the role of role models then to like open yourself up and find yourself like by seeing someone I guess that represents you because I feel the same like I I feel like my like sexuality journey and like my acceptance of myself and who I am like has greatly improved since I like found her and started watching her and and then subsequently like more SNL and off the back of that like more kind of queer performers and everything but it was her that was kind of like the linchpin for that yeah she was like the catalyst Um, kind of thing yeah she was the catalyst for it but would you say that like other you know other role models in your life that you know are similar to that is that the role of the role model for Ooh, you? That's a really good question. I don't think I've had a role model for a really long time until Kate came along. Uh, funnily enough, my other seminal role model in my life was another Kate. That was Kate Winslet. Um, 
who I became obsessed with when I was about 15 and she was in Sense and Sensibility and like no one really knew who she was kind of then but um because I was a bit of a geek and a bit of a nerd um I I did know of the film and everything and uh, I did go to I got taken to see it my parents took me to see it and I just was obsessed with her like absolutely I, I think now looking back there are multiple reasons why that was <laughs> but I there were a big part of me really wanted to be her like because I wanted to be an actor and it was suddenly I, I, I didn't have anyone really that until I saw Kate Winslet that I was like that's what I want to do that's what I want to be so I think it's a very similar thing actually because obviously I had that with Kate McKinnon as well um who probably encapsulated it more actually like more perfectly like I feel like if I was younger and just coming into comedy in my 20s and I saw Kate McKinnon I would be totally like that's what I want to do and I'd be absolutely like going for that um that thing but yeah I think maybe that maybe that is what role models do and I think um yeah maybe they open you to different parts of yourself and I guess it's an aspirational thing as well isn't it it's kind of and there's that sort of fantasy element to it maybe it's almost like something you can escape into it's like an add-on of yourself that you kind of like aspire and hope to be that kind of like guides you in a strange way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I definitely had that with, with Kate Winslet when I was like in my teens and and growing up and you know, like I had I had <laughs> I was probably like the only fifteen year old girl to have loads of posters of Kate Winslet all over my bedroom walls, which again had probably multiple reasons for that. I did have one right by my bed where she was just in her bra. Um and no one questioned that. No one questioned <laughs> But no it. nobody nobody twigged no, at all. Actually it wasn't her bra, it was it was Helena Bonham Carter's bra, apparently from the write-up in the magazine and that just blew my mind <laughs> Kate wins it was a really nice brow as well it was like a purple purple silky one I remember it vividly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was right by my bed yeah Gillian Anderson as well but yeah oh yeah um yeah I was probably like the only 15 year old girl that had like loads of loads of Kate Winslet posters all over my bedroom walls <laughs> I don't know if I've reached the conclusion about whether we need a role model in our lives, but I do see the benefit of having those people that we can potentially look up to or explore new ways of thinking through them. I don't think it's necessarily healthy to take the full person and embody them because we're all individuals, right? You know, we need to build up who we are as people rather than taking somebody else's cookie cutter shape and using it on ourselves. I think after speaking to Stephanie and Faye though, I've realised that much like with relationships and friendships, we seek out what we want and what we need. And I think there's no difference with role models. Stephanie mentioned that as she gets a little bit older, although not that older, let's be fair to ourselves here, that she looks towards those women who are pivoting in their careers or, you know, changing their paths, as it were. And Faye looked towards Kate McKinnon as a way to kind of reignite that joy and spark for comedy 
through seeing somebody who was doing what she potentially wanted to do or maybe felt that previously it was too tricky to achieve. I think the role of role models in my life is slightly different. I think that I've always looked up to people who were on the fringe of society or who were a little bit quirky and different because I myself, flipping it round, sometimes feel a bit different and I look towards them for that reassurance that it's okay to not go with the mainstream or it's okay to kind of be your own person and I think that's what Kate showed me, that there is joy and there is celebration in being different. Whoever your role model is, whether it's a celebrity, somebody that you work with, maybe your mother or your sister or your father or some other member of the family or faraway friend, those people are there to teach us something about ourselves that is already within us. So, so long as they bring out the best in us, then really it doesn't matter who we pick. So enjoy it celebrate it and what I've learned is you're never too old for a role model.